go with me to Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. If you've got your Bibles with you, quickly go to Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. If you're there, you can say amen. You got it? Yes? Okay, switch on your Bibles too. <laughs> right. Okay, are you all ready? Ready to follow with me? Yes, Mark 8, 14 to 21. Those who are watching us online, give me a thumbs up if you are ready with the word. It says, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. Ah, oh, what a bad start. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes and you cannot see. You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? And everybody read the answer. Twelve. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. This is what God is asking you this morning. Hey church, don't you understand yet? What is happening in this context is that the disciples are on a journey with Jesus on the boat. And uh, they did not bring any food for everybody. They just had one loaf of bread. And Jesus is reminding them what happened when they were with 5,000 people and they did not have much to feed them all. And he's reminding them, saying that, didn't we feed them all? And we had leftovers, and we picked up how many? Twelve. When Jesus fed the 4,000, they picked up seven. Many people like 5,000 and 4,000. Two miracles happened? Yes, read your Bible. Don't you understand it yet? Jesus is simply telling them and reminding them that what I have done before, isn't that not enough to see that I am still able to do that in your life? The title of my sermon this morning is, Remember to Remember. Remember to Remember that God has been faithful all through your life. Remember to remember. These disciples were in a boat with just one loaf of bread, but they forgot that they are with the bread of life himself. They forgot that he was the one who fed the 5,000 and they took 12 back, and he was the one who fed the 4,000 and they took 7 back to their homes and they enjoyed it. They forgot it. 
even though they were with the bread himself. This morning, God is asking you and telling you, hey, don't you understand what I have done in your life before? And can't you just remember the goodness and the mercies that I have done for your life? So this morning, I'm simply here to tell you, remember to remember what God has done in your life. Many of us need to be healed from spiritual dementia. We forget what God has done and we keep praying wrong prayers because we keep forgetting what He has done. <laughs> you have a spiritual amnesia which gets worse and becomes a dementia and end up in spiritual Alzheimer. It gets worse when you keep forgetting what God has done. Remember to remember. I don't know how many of you prayed this prayer, but many of you surely would have prayed this prayer in the year 2020 and the year 2021. Lord, do a great thing in my life. Lord, help me to go deeper with you. Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, this year I'm going to read the Bible. This year, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the Lord said, okay, I've been waiting for many years of your life. And this year, I will also make sure that you will read the Bible. And God sent Corona. With beautiful lockdown for everybody. Now we all have time to sit down and read and pray and all these things. And during this lockdown, many of us have actually gone through so many things, challenges in our life, questions in our life. Many people have gone through depression and loneliness and anxiety and people who had these things before, it became worse for them during this time because there was not much human interaction, right? I saw a post, um, uh, I think it was on a news feed, where, uh, you know, the corona patients were not able to have any human touch so I don't know if this was Mexican nurses or wherever, they filled the gloves with hot water and they put one glove underneath the hand of the patient and another on the uh, top of the uh, hand of the patient so that the gloves is holding the hands of the patient and it feels like as if somebody is holding their hand together. And it gives them a, 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 a comfort psychologically more than what was going on on in their body physically. And they say that it was the psychological, emotional support that was needed the most for them at their time because they were dying quickly because of the fear of death. And many of us, we are dying quickly because of hopelessness, fear, because of you know, anxiety, because we are asking the wrong questions, because we are praying wrong prayers, because we have allowed the emotions to take over us, and we have failed to remember, to remember what God has already done in our lives. If God can see us through all the way till this point, isn't He more than able to continue to lead you, guide you, protect you, and heal you, isn't he? He is. The thing is, 
We want to be changed, but we don't want to be challenged. We want to go deep, but we don't want to be disrupted. If you want to change in your life, God is going to challenge you and your circumstance. If you want to go deep with God, God is going to disrupt your normal life and help you to change your attention towards God so that you will go deeper with God. Jesus is always disturbing the comfortable ones and he's always comforting those who are disturbed. Come on somebody, that was a good one. Jesus is always disturbing the ones who are very comfortable with their religious practices. I attend church every Sunday. I have put attendance. You can ask the host team. I have been every Sunday to the church. I'm always giving to God. I'm always on time. I'm always doing this, 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 and this. So I have put all the ticks that I have to put and all the religious practices that I've done. And Jesus goes into their life and says, Oh, you are very comfortable, my friend. I'm going to disturb you a little bit and get you out of your comfort zone. And Jesus is always comforting the ones who are already disturbed. And he's saying, my faithfulness is with you. My grace is with you. Amen. See, Jesus is referring. Let's go a little bit more deeper with this passage. What is happening here is that the disciples got into the boat and they realized they did not bring any food. They had actually forgotten. And in verse 15, Jesus is not addressing anything about the forgotten bread, but he is talking about as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Yeast is something that is put in to make bread. And he is giving a bread reference, a recipe reference of making bread. And automatically the disciples are thinking, oh my goodness, he knows that we did not bring any bread. So that is why he is talking about the bread and he's talking about the yeast. And Jesus is going a lot more deeper with his analogy. He's going a lot more deeper. He is not worried a lot about the physical need, but he's worried about the spiritual need. Because he is saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. You know, yeast equals to unbelief, unfaithfulness. If you don't believe, and what happens is that yeast, if you put a little bit, it affects the whole thing. It transforms the whole thing. A little bit of unbelief, a little bit of unfaithfulness can transform and change your entire spiritual life and your walk with God. Beware of the yeast of unfaithfulness, of unbelief. The yeast of Pharisee, what is the yeast of Pharisee? The yeast of Pharisee is nothing but religiousness. You cannot worship God with religious mindset. You can only worship God with the relationship mindset. With the religious mindset, it's one way. I have done this, I have done this, I have done this for God. Now I deserve to get it. That is not Christianity. That is not a relationship with Christ. That is not what Christ died for. 
We need to have a relationship mindset. The relationship is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is my brother, who is my friend, but he's also my king, stepped down from heaven, came to here on earth, died on the cross, and rose again on the third day. He took my place for sin. He took my place for guilt. He took my place for my weakness. He took my place for my suffering. He took my place for my sickness. And he has already healed my disease. He has already set me free. He has already bought my freedom with his blood and he rose again on the third day to prove everybody that I shouldn't have any fear over death because there is only one empty tomb in the entire world and that tomb belongs to Jesus because he is my risen savior. And because of that, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. He has done it all for me. Because he has done it all for me, I will worship him relationship not religious if there is a little bit of religious in you it will ruin your entire relationship with Jesus entire relationship with Jesus don't go with a religious mindset to God go to him because you love him go to him because you experienced his love for your life as his love draws you closer to you and you draw closer to him what is the east of Herod? The east of Herod is politics. God is addressing two things that was happening at that nation at that time. Is that be aware of religious mindset and be aware of politics. Don't play politics in church. Hello. Don't play politics with God. There is no hierarchy in the system. This theocracy, only God rules and reigns over all of us and everybody are his children. We are all sons and daughters of the king. We don't have to fight for positions in your spiritual life. You just have to live out your royal life that you have called to be. Because he's your king. He's your king. The beautiful thing is, See, the disciples are fighting, you know, when they heard about this, you know, they did not understand this deeper meaning of what Jesus was trying to explain to them. He was trying to talk about, hey, forget the bread, guys. Forget the bread. I want to talk to you something even more deeper, that is don't have unfaithfulness and unbelief in your life. And be careful about the religious mindset and be careful about, you know, the politics mindset. And as Jesus is talking about them, the disciples are not able to listen to any of those deeper things that Jesus was saying. You know why? Because they were so focused on the material needs. It says in verse 60, it says, They began to argue with each other because they had not brought any bread. While they had the bread of life with them, they are arguing and fighting over a physical need which is already met. <laughs> Does that sound like us a little bit? Does that sound like us when we, we worry? When, when God is actually taking us a little bit more deeper in our thoughts, in our mind and and in a spiritual life, God is transforming us and refining us. 
And he's saying, draw to me, draw to me closely. I want to tell you secrets. I want to reveal God's word to you. I want to speak into your life. I want to elevate you to the next level. I want to anoint you so that you can serve me better. I want to give my healing touch to you so that when you pray, many will be healed. And God wants to impart all these things into my life, but into your life and my life. But our problem is, God, I don't know if, 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 uh, if Reliance will be open tonight. Uh, if I can buy my bread, God. I don't know if I can feed my kids. I don't know. All those things are real. All those things are real. All those problems are real. I'm not saying those problems are not real. Your needs are real. Your challenges are real here on earth. But the thing is, you have the one who provides. When you're living with the provider, why do you have to worry about the provision? Hosanna, write that down. I did not even plan to say that. Why do you have to worry about provision when you have the provider himself with you? And the thing is, right, the beautiful thing is we forget. When you, were, when you had no food 10 years back, 20 years back, when you were scrambling with the finances that you had, and you would put together coins to go and buy some bread and food. And from that moment to this moment now, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, God has blessed you with a home, a house, a car. Yes, there might be some challenges, but still the mindset is, what will happen tomorrow? The problem is, we don't remember to remember. That's what God is doing now. Jesus says, Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Families, husbands and wives, don't fight for what you do not have at home. Don't fight or argue or become tensed about what will happen tomorrow or how you will survive today. The Lord is in control. He holds it all together. Don't argue in your mind. Don't argue in your spirit. Don't argue in your prayer life. The Lord is asking in verse 18, You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? The Lord, we sang beautifully, You picked me up from the miry clay. Great music, great song. But is that song applying to you on your Monday, on your Tuesday, on your Wednesday, on your Thursday and Friday? Is that applicable to you in your life? Can you see the goodness and mercies of God in your life? Are you able to remember anything at all? I want you to write this down. If God did a miracle once in your life, He can do it again. Come on. He can do it again. He fed the 5,000. Okay, I understand when the disciples experienced the miracle of the multitudes and he fed the 5,000. That's like the first time ever that they have seen this. So I understand like, wow, that's great. I'm not sure if it will happen again, but like, wow, that's amazing. It would be nice to see that again. But then a month later, Jesus again is doing the same miracle in a different location. And now he's feeding 4,000 people. 
and they took seven baskets back. So Jesus is like, dude, guys, calm down for a minute. You're in the boat with me. You experience these miracles. Don't you remember anything at all? Feeding of the multitude is in all the Gospels. If you read it, in every Gospel it's there. It's really important. In fact, it's one of the miracles that is recorded in all the Gospels after the uh, narration of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. One miracle that is going through all the Gospels is the feeding of the multitudes. It must be quite important why that it's written in every single Gospel. And the good news is God is concerned about your needs. But the question that God is asking you is, are you willing to participate in the miracle? Are you willing to participate in who you are and what he's able to do? If God can do a miracle in your life once, if God has set you free once, he can set you free again. If he has healed you once, he can heal you again. If he has protected you, he will always protect you. If he has done it once, he can do it again. I love what this theologian Howard Thurman, and I love the way he puts this. The power of prayer is directly connected to your willingness to be part of God's answer. Woo! That is good. The power of your prayer is directly connected to your willingness to be part of God's answer. You are praying for God to answer your prayers. But are you willingly participating in the answer that is preparing for your prayer? The problem is that we are asking God to answer our prayer, but we are far from what He is doing and wanting to do in your life. And we are not willing to change. We are not willing to participate because you're constantly, constantly choosing fear over hope. Are you willing to participate? Church, I want to draw quickly parallels between these two miracles. You know, the, the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew 14, 13 to 21, and the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15, 29 to 35. You can go home and read this. I'm not going to go through verse by verse because of time. Two co there's few common things that happen in both the miracles. Number one is people had problem and Jesus noticed their problem. Jesus noticed their problem. The problem was that they forgot to eat because they were listening to Jesus. Now that is some good preaching. If your church can forget to eat because you're preaching, I mean, that is my life goal, man. They forgot to eat because your preaching is so good. They forgot to eat. That is some amazing preaching by Jesus. And Jesus had compassion. And he saw the problem always. He connected with the problem of the people. He knows your problem. Even if you forget about your problem and you're so focused in Jesus, but he knows what you need, so he will provide while you're focused on him. If you didn't get it, you will not get it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. The people were so lost in the word of God, they forgot to eat for three days. Sam Deban, will that ever happen in the history of Indian churches? <laughs> 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 
if I cross over in the next 15 minutes, they'll be like, eyes, <coughs> pastor, <coughs> yeah. They forgot to eat. Now, they were focused on the word, but Jesus knew what they needed as well. Not just the spiritual, he also saw the physical. He also saw the physical. And he saw the need. So, while he was speaking, he prepared a miracle for them. He saw their need, he saw their problem, and he said, we need to feed these people. We need to feed these people. The second common thing was that Jesus had compassion. Compassion was the catalyst for the miracle. Compassion was the catalyst for the miracle. What is compassion? Compassion is nothing but care and action put together. That's compassion. If you have care, and if you do something about it, then that becomes compassion. If you just have care and do nothing about it, all you have is you just feel pity and sorry for people. Nobody wants your pity and sorry. They want your compassion. Compassion was the catalyst for the miracle. And the third common thing that happened was the disciples were asking the wrong questions. The disciples were asking wrong questions in both the miracles. In both the miracles. The disciples were asking questions from their mathematical, reasoning, logical mindset. You know, in the first miracle, they were saying, if we got to feed and, I mean, if we got to buy food for all these people, that's like half the year of my wages is gone. My entire wages is gone for this. How are we going to buy? If we start cooking, maybe we'll cook for another two days. We don't know how this is going to work out. Asking the wrong questions. They did not ask what can we bring for the miracle to happen? They only saw that something will come. And they were not prepared to take part in the miracle. They were not prepared to take part in the miracle. You see, I want you to write this down. Worry is the byproduct of asking the wrong questions. Those who are with me online, you can say amen to that. Worry is the byproduct of asking the wrong questions. I'll prove it to you. Matthew 6, verse 13 to 31 to 33 says, So don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? Don't ask that question. What will we drink? What will we wear? What will we do? Where will I go? How will I go? Will it happen now? Are we there yet? Is my bank? Many questions like that. Verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. For an unbeliever to ask that question is common. For a people, for the disciples of Jesus who are sitting in the boat with him, who is the bread of life, shouldn't be asking these questions. Verse 33 it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. 
everything you need. So the better question that you can ask is, what has God done for me already that I can use for Him to do a miracle right now in my life? Did you get that? Amen? The right question to ask is, what can I bring to God now for Him to move, for Him to do a miracle in my life, something that He has already blessed me with? How many loaves do you have is what Jesus asked in both the miracles. And I want you to pay close attention because He did not ask for fish. Go home and read it. In both the miracles, Jesus is asking these questions, how many loaves do you have? The basic thing, bread, how many loaves do you have? If you can just bring the loaves that you have, God will order the three-course meal that you need, my friend. He gives you more than you ever asked for. He asked for loaves, but they brought him loaves and fish. When you bring it all to him, when you bring it all to him, he will multiply. Watch what is happening. Learn to ask the right questions. Learn to pray the right prayers. Remember to remember what God has done. In both the miracles, you know what was happening? When they brought their loaves and the fishes, in both the miracles, it looked too little in their hands. It was too little in their hands. Many of you are so scared and fearful to bring yourself to God because you can see that you are too little in God's hands. You think that you are too little for what God can do through your life. You think that you are too little to shake this nation, India. You think that King City Church is too little to shake even the city of Trichy, let alone this entire nation and the rest of the world. It looks too little. The loaves and the bread that they had in their hand looked too little in front of the 5,000, in front of the 4,000. And 5,000 was just the men. If you add the children and the women, the scholar says it definitely would have been 15,000 people at least. It looked too little. But here's what happened. If you are always going to say, Lord, it is never enough, Lord. It is too little for me to bring this to you. So I'll just keep this in my, with me. This little life I have, this little job and the, the salary and, and, and the, the, the blessings that I have. Lord, you are a big God. You know, we are being so generous to God, like reminding him how big he is. You are the maker of heaven and earth. What I have is just very little, God. You don't need that. I feel secure with this for now. If you're going to wait for a moment where you feel this is enough and this is great for me to give to God, that moment will never come. Hello? Everybody with me so far? Those who are watching online, you can say amen so that I will know that you are with me because those who are here are not willing to say amen. I don't know why. Are you with me? Okay, better. So it will always never be enough in your hands. 
But when you put it in God's hands, you know what happens in the miracle? They put it in the hands of Jesus. It looked too little for the 15,000. It looked too little for the multitudes. It was too small, but they put it in Jesus' hands. And what he did was he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it back to them. Now, here is the interesting part. The miracle did not happen in the hands of Jesus. Because what everybody wanted to see was that when they put it in God's hands, when he blessed it, that, that few loaves of bread and fishes will automatically appear as thousands and thousands on his hand. Now that would have been really great to see. Right? That would have been really great to witness. Whoa! Did you see that? Did you get a boomerang of that? It's amazing. That would have been amazing. But he, he took it. He blessed it. He broke it. But he gave it back. He gave it back in the same amount. And now he's calling the disciple and telling them, go and distribute this. I mean, host team, listen to me. If you were the host team for Jesus, I don't know, Armel, if you would have stepped out to say, okay, we are tw 12 people and there are thousands of people. That in itself doesn't add up. The second thing is he's blessed it and given it back. I don't see more. He's asking us to start distributing, to start dispersing the miracle to others. I don't see more. So probably they're just nervous. Do you have that basket that you had in the back? Can you bring that quickly? So they were, they were so nervous. Can you imagine? They're like, we are going to get beaten today. Peter, do you have your knife with you? We are going to get beaten today. Somebody is going to kill us. But then they came. They started this Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to church. They started giving it out. They started giving it out. Hey, how are you doing? Which part of the world you're from? You look lovely. All right, here's a miracle for you. It looked like it was going to be empty, but it kept coming. The miracle did not happen in the hands of Jesus. The miracle happened when the disciples were willing to participate. You keep the clap. I don't want it. What a pitiful clap for Jesus. As long as you understand if the miracle would have happened in his hands, everybody would kept going back to God saying that you are the magic guy. Can we keep having more burgers? Then Jesus would have become burger king and not king of kings. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. But the miracle happened in your hands. But when you give it to God, He will bless it, He will break it. Oh, come on. When you give yourself to God, He will bless you and He will. 
Yes, he will break you. But he will give you back for missions. The more you're broken, the more he can pull things out of your life, which becomes a miracle for somebody else. The more you're broken in your life, God can use your brokenness so that his strength shall be revealed unto people through your life. Can somebody say and shout, Lord, break me. Haha. <laughs> See, now your prayer has changed. The prayer is, Lord, bless me to Lord, break me. Because the blessing is in the breaking. And in the breaking, receive the faith that you need. Two years, for the past two years, we have been broken. The world has been breaking down. But faith has been increasing. The doors of the church might have been shut, but the presence of the Lord cannot be shut from entering into the hearts of the people of God. And God has been raising a generation who were receiving hope and faith even more than how they were before. It's in the breaking that faith increases. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gives you back so that you can reach people who are far from God into new life in Christ. When you carefully obey and when you participate in the miracle, you see multitudes. Multitudes of people being saved for the glory of God. King City Church, we will see multitudes. We will see multitudes only when you are ready to give the little to him. The little of yourself to him. The little of you to him. And say, Lord, bless me and break me so that I shall multiply for your glory and for your kingdom. Church, can we stand on your feet? And I want to speak to everybody who are watching us online from your homes. May this be your prayer. Remember to remember what God has done so far in your life. He's able to do it again. He's able to lead you, guide you, and protect you. God is healing you and setting you free. There is healing coming. Can we be in the court of um, G? Thank you. The healing is coming. God is removing the heaviness out of your heart and out of your life this morning. We have come here with a heavy heart. If you're watching this online, with a heavy heart, God is releasing you from that heaviness. Can you bring yourself to Him? You might look too little, but in God's hand, you're not too little because He will bless you. He will break you. And when He gives you back, you will be the miracle. <laughs> you don't have to look for miracle outside. You will become the living miracle. The living testimony. God is releasing you. He's removing the anxiety. He's removing the depression. Can you remember to remember? Church, your prayers will never expire. Never expire. I just want to close our service with one little story which I believe will help you. Is that okay? Once we were shopping as a family, 
and I was carrying my little daughter Zion. And she wanted to go to different parts of the store and she was pointing to the places that she wanted to go. And she was looking at the toy section, she was looking at other sections and she was like, Daddy, let's go there. But here's the interesting thing that she said. I was carrying her. I was like, darling, you want to go there? She's like, yes, follow me. I said, okay. And she's like so happy that I'm following her, but it is me who's actually carrying here. Okay, daddy, I want to go here. Follow me. I said, okay, darling, I'm following you. But I'm carrying her. And this is many of the times, this is our prayer. <laughs> prayer to God. God, this is what I'm going to do. This is my vision. This is my dream. Follow me. And God is like, all right, all right, I'll follow you. But the beautiful thing is, you hold it all together. He holds it all together. We sang it this morning. He holds it all together. But yet when we pray such ignorant prayers, He still holds it all together. When you still pray the wrong prayers, why did you allow this to happen in my life? What will happen? I am scared. What will happen to my children? What will happen to their future? And when you don't even remember that there were days when you were praying, will I even have a child? <laughs> and now you're again questioning God, will my child have a future? And God is saying, do you have eyes to see? Ears to hear? Do you remember anything at all? Even when we don't remember to remember, he's like, it's okay. It's my girl. It's my son. And he still holds it all together. <laughs> what a beautiful God we have. What a faithful God we have. Sometimes I just want to break out and cry because Many times I have prayed wrong prayers. I have asked the wrong question. I should have asked, Lord, you led me so far. You called me. You appointed me. What can I do for you should have been my question. But rather I have asked him otherwise. And many of us here, we have asked him otherwise. Can we pray the right prayers this morning? Can we ask him the right question? Can we say, God, what can I bring to you that you have already given to me so that I will participate in the miracle that you want to do today in my life right now? Let us not just be audience for miracles. Let us be participators of the miracle. Can you lift your hands and pray to God? Can you pray to God? Can you pray to God?